Old Testament passage today is in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And again, we're coming back now again to King David's life. Then all Israel gathered together to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, even when Saul was king, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people Israel. And notice prince, not king. People always knew that God wanted to be their king. David was the only king that really acted like he was a steward. He knew he was prince, and he will still be prince during the great tribulation. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, that is Jebus, where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You will not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. David said, Whoever strikes the Jebusites first shall be chief and commander. And Joab, the son of Zeruah, went up first, and so he became chief. Okay, now, now we understand why David did not remove Joab. How many times have you heard me as we went through the earlier passages? Why did David not remove Joab? I mean, Saul, King, uh, King Solomon had to kill him, all right? Why, why did David leave him in position? Well, because he made a promise, and David kept his promises. David kept his promises. He made this before all of his men of war. David lived in the stronghold, therefore it was called the city of David. All right, so reason for the name. Say, why is, why is Jerusalem called the city of David? Because David lived there. He built the city all around from the Milo in complete circuit, and Joab repaired the rest of the city. And David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. All right, so here's the truth about God's presence. Increases progressive strength. When God is with you, greater and greater. This is how life should end. Things should become stronger and stronger because God is with you. Now these are the chiefs of David's mighty men who gave him strong support in his kingdom together with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning David. This is the account of David's mighty men. Jeshobim, a Hakonite, was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 300 whom he killed at one time. And next to him among the three mighty men were Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. He was with David at Pastabin when the Philistines were gathered there for battle. There was a plot of ground full of barley. And the men fled from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and killed the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great victory. Three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David at the cave of Adullam, where the army of the Philistines were encamped in the valley of Raphaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. Now notice, 
the Philistines were in Bethlehem. This is just a short distance from Jerusalem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the water of the well in Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well in Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the lifeblood of these men? For at the risk of their own lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. These things did the three mighty men. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the thirty. And he wielded his spear against three hundred men and killed them and won a name beside the three. He was the most renowned of the thirty and became their commander, but he did not attain to the three. And Benaniah, the son of Joadiah, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. And he struck down two heroes of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. He struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. And the Egyptian had a, in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam. But Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaniah, the son of Joadiah, and won a name besides the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but not, did not attain to the three. And David set, over them, set him over their bodyguard. The mighty men were Ashiel, the brother of Joab, Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shamoth of Herod, Haleaz the Pelonite, Ira, the son of Ikish of Tekoa, Abiazer of Ananhoth, Sebekai the Hushathite, Eliah the Aholite, Mariah the Nehophal, Heled the son of Baana of Nehopath, Ethanai the son of Ribiah of Gibeah of the people of Benjamin, Benaniah of Pirathon, Harai of the brooks of Gash, Abiel the Arbathite, Asmaveth of Baharum, Elabab of the Shalabite, Hashim the Gizanite, Jonathan the son of Shagi the Herite, Ahiam the son of Saker the Herite, Eliphal the son of Ur Hefer the Mechorite, Ahajah the Pelonite, Hezro of Carmel, Naarai the son of Ezbiah, Joel the brother of Nathan, Mibhar the son of Hagri, Zelek the Ammonite, Nahariah of Berath, the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira the Ithrite, Garib the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, Zebab the son of Haliah, Adinah the son of Shazah the Reubenite, a leader of the Reubenites and thirty with him, Hanan the son of Maaka, and Jehoshaphat the Mithnite, Uzziah the Ashtarthite, Shammah and Jael sons of Hatham the Ararite, Jedeiah, the son of Shimri, and Johah, his brother, the Tizite, Elel, the Mahavite, and Jerobiah, and Joshaviah, the sons of El-Naam, and Ithmah, the Moabite, Alil, and Obad, and Jaasil, the Mezobite. Hoy, the names. Now these are the men who came to David, chapter 12, verse 1, at Ziklag while he could not move about freely because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were the mighty men who helped him in war. Okay, now he could not move about freely because Saul was king. 
and trying to kill. They are bowmen who could shoot arrows and sling stones with either the right or the left hand. They were Benjaminites, Saul's kinsmen. The chief was Ahazar, then Joash, both sons of Shemaiah of Gibeah, and also Jezeel and Pelat, the sons of Azmaveth, Baracha, Jehu of Anahoth, Ishamiah of Gibeon, a mighty man among the thirty and leader over the thirty, Jeremiah, Jezeel, Johanan, Jezabad of Gedorah, Iluzai, Jeremoth, Baaliah, Shemariah, Shephathiah, the Harufite, Elkanah, Ishahiah, Azrael, Jozer, Jashobim, the Korathites, Jolah and Zebediah, the sons of Joram of Gedor. From the Gadites there went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty and experienced warriors, expert with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. Ezra the chief, Obadiah the second, Eliab third, Mishanah fourth, Jeremiah fifth, Ataiah sixth, Eliel seventh, Johanan eighth, Elzabab ninth, Jeremiah tenth, Machabaniah eleventh. These Gadites were officers of the army. The least was a match for a hundred men, and the greatest for a thousand. Now, do you, do you see the ability of these men? The ability of war. These were the men who crossed the Jordan the first month when it was overflowing all its banks and put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. And some of the men of Benjamin and Judah came to the stronghold of David. David went out to meet them and said to them, If you have come to me in friendship to help me, my heart will be joined to you. But if to betray me to my adversaries, although there is no wrong in my hands, then may the God of our fathers see and rebuke you. Wow. David's leadership faith. David says, great, you're here to help. My heart will be yours. But you know what? If you're here to betray me, God's going to take care of you. David had leadership faith. Then the spirit clothed Amasiah, chief of the 30, and he said, wow, did you hear that? The spirit clothed. The Holy Ghost came upon this guy. The Holy Ghost came upon this guy. And he said, We are yours, O David, and, be, and with you, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. Then David received them and made, him, made them officers of his troops. Some of the men of Manasseh deserted to David when he came with the Philistines for battle against Saul, yet he did not help them. For the rulers of the Philistines took counsel and sent him away, saying, At peril to our heads he will desert to his master Saul. As he went to Ziklag, these men of Manasseh deserted to him. Adna, Jezebad, Jeralil, Michael, Jezebad, Elihu, and Zelathai, chief of thousands in Manasseh. They helped David against the band of raiders, for they were all mighty men of valor and were commanders in the army. For from day to day David came to men to help him, until there was a great army like the army of God. These are the numbers of the divisions of the armed troops who came to David at Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul over to him according to the word of the Lord. And the men of Judah, bearing shield and spear, were 6,800 armed troops. Of the Simeonites, mighty men of valor for war, 7,100. Of the Levites, 
4,600. The prince, Jodiah, of the house of Aaron, and with him 3,700. Zadok, a young man, mighty in valor, and 22 commanders from their own father's houses. Of the Benjaminites, the kinsmen of Saul, 3,000, of whom the majority had to that point kept their allegiance to the house of Saul. Of the Ephraimites, 20,800, mighty men of valor, famous men in their father's houses. Of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000, who expressly named to come and make David king. Of Issachar, men who, under, who had an understanding of their times, to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. This is a key verse for leadership. Understand the times and know what they should do. Of Zebulun, 50,000 seasoned troops equipped for battle with all the weapons of war to help David with singleness of purpose. Okay, here's a great truth of victory. You're going to be victorious, singleness of purpose. Of Naphtali, 1,000 commanders with whom were 37,000 men armed with shield and spear. Of the Danites, 28,600 men equipped for battle. Of Asher, 40,000 seasoned troops ready for battle. Of the Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh from beyond the Jordan, 120,000 men armed with weapons of war. Of these men of war, arrayed in battle order, came to Hebron with a whole heart to make David king over Israel. Likewise, all the rest of Israel were of a single mind to make David king. And they were there with David for three days, eating and drinking, for their brothers had made preparation for them. And also their relatives, from as far as Issachar and Zebulun and Nathali, came bringing food on donkeys and on camels and on mules and on oxen, abundant provisions of flour, cakes of figs, clusters of raisins, wine, oil, oxen and sheep, for there was joy in Israel. A new king was about to take place. There was joy in Israel. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
New Testament passage today picks up in Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. Soon, a tempestuous wind called the Nor'easter struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, they gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island named Caudia, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a hard place to come to. They gave up hope. Some of you are there this morning. With this COVID-19 lasting so long, you've begun to give up hope. Please don't. As long as there is breath, there is hope. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. He said, I urge you to be encouraged. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of God, 
to whom I belong and whom I worship. I love that. I love that. Paul said, I belong to God. And he said, I worship God. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? I don't care how dark it is right now with this COVID-19 thing. The God to whom you belong and the God that you worship will help you and will deliver you. You belong to him. You belong to him. I just, oh my goodness, I just love that. I just love that. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So this was Paul's prayer. He said, Paul, God is going to give you everybody else on the, on the ship. <laughs> this is called the blessing of association. God is with Paul. And because those people are with Paul, their lives are going to be spared. God has granted you. He didn't grant them. He said, God has granted you, all those who sail with you. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that we were near land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on they took a sounding again, and it was 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape the ship, they had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Now, wait a minute. Not allowed. The sailors were leaving the ship. But this, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So this was a conditional promise. This promise God has granted all of you is a conditional promise. Sailors needed. See, there are people that are necessary to fulfill a promise of God. There are people necessary to fulfill a promise. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. Now, I want you to notice something. They listened now. They didn't listen to him when he spoke before. They listened now. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food and have taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from any head of you. Here's a confession of faith. And when he had said these things, he took the bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. These are acts of faith to encourage. We in all were 276 persons in the ship, and when they'd eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So here is a loss of cargo. Remember those guys that wanted to keep going because they'd invested in the cargo? 
Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach, on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time loosened in the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. All right, here is the need for the sailors. Paul and these guys would not know how to cast off the anchors, loosen the ropes, hoist the foresail. Paul and those guys wouldn't know how to do this. This needed the sailors. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained unmovable, but the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. Okay, The centurion and the soldiers. Centurion is in rank above the soldiers. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make to sea, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safely to land. Promise fulfilled. <laughs> God always keeps his promises. God made Paul a promise. Yes, it was conditional, but God kept his promise. All right, let's have a little wisdom before we close out today from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. The Lord gives wisdom. All right, so God is the source. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. All right, so God stores up wisdom to give to us. I like that. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Now, brothers and sisters, one of the things you have to learn in life is that there are always going to be people who will attack you. I mean, please, that's just welcome to life. And you can't spend your life defending yourself. But what you can do is choose to live a life where you walk in integrity. And you know what? then it's God's job. God's job. God's job is to be my shield. My job, walk in integrity. All right, we're going to close out there. Tonight, don't forget 7 o'clock with Brother John. Please, if you have not downloaded the free book, please do so. Brother John just wants to encourage you and strengthen your faith for your harvest this year, beloved. You know, it's really easy in these days to get discouraged about your harvest. Learn these principles. Grow your faith to stand. Remember the little verse that says, if you don't stand in faith, you won't stand at all? It's important. Probably the biggest challenge our families have today is no longer the pandemic. It's the economic challenges brought about by the pandemic. So let's strengthen our faith tonight, and God's going to bring your family a harvest. Amen? We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.